your head's bleeding, you've had to sit further forward or... <laughs> We're terrible, aren't we? We're such creatures of habit. Um, I must admit, there was a part of me that was uh, amused. I couldn't wait for this morning to see how some of you were going to react. Where, where am I going to sit? Oh, I don't know where I'm going to sit. Well, who am I going to sit by? And Aileen at the front going, what am I going to do? I can't put my arms out right, right out the front. Well, we'll just stagger. It'll be all right. We're getting readjusted, so um, it's great. It's so lovely to see, um, you know, one of the privileges of, uh, of being on the platform is the fact that you get to see some of your faces and they are like flint when you worship. And that really is a privilege. I see it as a privilege. It's not gawping. Um, it's not. But, you know, sometimes when you look and you just go, God's obviously doing a real work in that person. Because on a Sunday not, um, are we starting to go like the comedian? Um, it's, not just, um, it's not just that particular moment. A Sunday morning worship is a reflection of what God's been doing for weeks, months, years. So um, it's a privilege to see your faces. I just need a swig of drink. Excuse me, a bit of water. Okay, so... Uh, if you could turn to Daniel chapter 6, that would be great. It's one of the smaller books, okay? So don't have any shame if you need to look at the index to find it, okay? Um, so we're reading from Daniel chapter 6, and I'm just going to start reading. You, you can find it or you can follow it on the screen. It's pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, and to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then his, this Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials, because of an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom, and then the high officials and the satraps sought to find ground for a complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. The high officials and satraps came with, by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of this kingdom and the prefects and the satraps and the councillors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, should be cast into a den of lions." Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem and he got on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. 
as he had done previously. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed. I've jumped, if you read him, to verse 14. Uh, was much distressed and m- set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Until verse 16. The king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and the signet of his lords. And nothing might be changed according to Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and the night and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at the break of dawn, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. He came near to the den where Daniel was, and he cried out in a tone of anguish. And the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, who you serve, continually been able to deliver you from the lions? The Daniel said, to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, that they have not I have not been harmed, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel might be taken up. And so Daniel was taken out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because He had trusted in God. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, the nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. And he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this, Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus and Persian. Sometimes it's good to go back to the old stories, isn't it? And uh, I love this one about Daniel. Um, And God spoke to me about this. Daniel was an ordinary chap. I don't know about you, but I am an ordinary person. There might be a few of you that feel like you're a bit special. That's great. Uh, But I have to say, I feel very ordinary a lot of the time. Um, Daniel was special. And we know that because we have read his story. And we know about the lion's den. And we know about the fact that he interprets dreams. And from our viewpoint where we're standing, we see him as really very special. But if we were standing next to Daniel at the time, doing a bit of a journalist, so, Daniel, tell me. Tell me about what happens. What happened with the lion's den or what happened with you deciding to pray three times a day? I wonder whether he would say that he was special. When you look at the beginning of Daniel, if you flick over, if you've got your Bible or your, on your phone or your tablet, 
you look and see that Daniel's story started and in actual fact he was taken from his home following a battle and uh, he was basically removed from his household and his family and he was chosen out of a few others basically because he looked relatively fit and well and he was, he wa he was, he was relatively handsome. You know, and you, you sit there going, well, they wouldn't have picked me. You know, and you're kind of out of all the people. So he got picked in circumstances where you were taken from your family against your will. I think it would be understandable for you to possibly plummet in mood and be relatively uncooperative. Do you think that would be fair? I think that would be fair. If you'd been nicked and you're not going to see them ever again and you don't know what's going to happen. Also, you would probably play down your faith because that's not what they do here. Yeah? Well, you see, we as British people, we would tend to think, yes, well, we, we need to kind of fit in because that's not what they do in this land. And it isn't that we, we do if we... I wonder what we would do if we moved to a, a new school or if we moved to a new workplace. We tend to blend as much as we can. And then we're totally surprised when people don't realise that we're a Christian. Have you ever found that? You're kind of like, you don't know I'm a Christian. And yet you've blended into the background completely. Daniel stuck to his habits and his rhythms despite being in a new place. He didn't wait for permission or approval. He just carried on. He prayed three times a day. He exalted his God. He just carried on. What happened? All of those in positions of authority around him, they didn't go, he's a raving lunatic. They actually loved him because he was honest, loyal, faithful and reliable. So if you, flick, if you have flicked over to Daniel 1, let's just read. So the, the king commanded that they would take youths without blemish, I'm reading from verse 4, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them literature and the language of the Chaldeans. So they didn't just have anybody, okay? They were to be educated for three years and at the end they were to stand before the king. There was Daniel... And then there was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Does anybody remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yeah. They came to a terrible fate, didn't they? Well, they didn't come to an end. So Daniel's faithfulness, he was resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he drank. Now, he could have thought, I'm in a new place. I've lost my family, but do you know what? I look at all this plenty. It's going to be absolutely decadent. My mum's not here to tell me you can't have that and you can't have that. I'll have what I want. But he didn't because he knew that he wanted to be honouring to God. 
And for some of us, there are certain things that when the eye's not on us, you know, sometimes we can feel that temptation to, well, who's going to know about it? But, you know, God knows and he sees everything. And he just wants us to keep on with our habits and rituals that honour him. So Daniel was given a job. If you remember, it said in Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, they could find no ground for for complaint or fault because he was faithful. Daniel was given a job and he got on with it. And as with each of us, he was dependent on God to do his best. You need God to help you in your work and in your life. That's fact. And you need to ask God to help you. As Christians, we should be the best employees. We should give 100% honest, trustworthy, kind, loyal, upfront. You need to ask God to help you in your workplace. Wherever you go, whether you volunteer, whether you, whatever you are doing, you need to ask him to help you. You can't do it without him. Daniel recognized this and he had a rhythm where he prayed three times every day. Are you inviting God into your day? So, in ordinary work, chores and having good godly rhythms, then he will come and he will be present with you. That means emails, phone conversations, chat with your colleagues, everything about what you do in your daily life. Invite God in to help you. Not just survive, but support those around you to do the best you can. Those of us that are employees, we need to give our best. Now, I'm not naive. I know that many folk have difficulties with their bosses and their managers and places of business. But put Daniel's principles into practice. Pray and praise throughout your day. Invite him into your situation. Ask him for solutions, not just the IT department or your colleague, but ask God for solutions. I've had times where I've thought, I don't know what we're going to do in this situation. So I have asked God whilst I have been at work. It hasn't been a Christian thing or a Christian solution. It's been something at work. But I have asked him, Lord, I need, we need your help on this. How am I going to, I don't know what we're going to do. And there has always been a solution that comes. Those of us who manage others, we need to be sure that we're fair and kind and honest and upright in your dealings with them. Apologize if you're wrong. And always give thanks to each of them daily. And if you've never done it and you feel embarrassed, well, so what? Do it anyway. 
get on with it and do it. In Philippians 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Your reasonableness. That's what God's saying. Daniel didn't consider that he was special, but God did. And looking back, we think he was. How many folk have you looked at others? How many folk have you looked at different times and you've thought, they've really got something special? If you can think just now, one person that you know that's really special, I want you to put your hand up. Now, I want you to look around. With your hands up, with your hands up, those of you who got your hands up, I want you to look around at the hands that are up. Because if we've got that many hands up, each one is representing one individual, that means there's a lot of incredibly special people around in our generation, in our time. You can put your hands down. God is at work. Now then... There's a gentleman by the name of Frank Willis who did his job. On June the 17th in 1972, a security guard, Frank Willis, was making his midnight rounds at the Watergate office building in Washington. And he noticed tape over the lock of a basement door. And thinking another worker had left it there accidentally, he removed it. Willis later again in the same place found tape when he was doing his rounds again. He called the police, and the rest is history. Two years later, President Nixon resigned in disgrace over his involvement in the cover-up of the Watergate. The police came, they went into the room, and one by one by one, they found several people. Frank was just doing his job. What about you? Have there been times where you caused an uncovering or a prevention of a dishonest or slip-up just because you did your work or because you lived your life right in the right way? It doesn't make you popular, but it's right to do the right thing, to follow the policy and procedure. We're asked to be obedient Obedience first to our heavenly king, to the law of the land, then to our employers. And it's hard at times, but as we train ourselves to follow God and his rules, we find great blessing as a result. We need to be obedient to God first. And although we experience hardship, C.S. Lewis states, hardship often prepares an ordinary person for an extraordinary destiny. Okay. Our lives need to be transparent. When we're thinking of Daniel, have you ever seen the way children are taught today? Has anyone ever been in a classroom or is a teacher and has seen how people are taught today? Well, I remember what it was like when I was at school. And I have to say, we have such gifted, imaginative teachers that are able to make things appear so simple and plain. If you teach in a school, a college, or a university, or vocationally, have you put your hands up? Don't be shy. If you teach 
And you could be teaching adults, children. Don't be shy. Keep your hands up. Okay. Is that all? We've got nobody over this side in colleges or schools. Okay. All right then. Um, you can keep your hands up. I think it would be really good if we just, I'm just going to say thanks. Because those of you that teach, you are, you go to the lengths of finding out exactly what it is and then you explain it in a really simple way. And for each of you that do that, thank you. Thank you on behalf of our kids. Thank you on behalf of uh, this generation that you can undo it and make it so simple. You are a gift from God because God, it's a God-given gift. Teaching is a God-given gift. And we thank you for training children, young people and adults and for the investment because it's the same over and over and over and over again, isn't it? So we thank you. You know, I went to, we went to HOD um, a few years ago as a leadership team. And when we were there, I had a picture of a clockwork clock. Now, it wasn't the face of a clock, but it was all the workings, the cogs, how they interlocked. And at the time, I believed it was talking about unity and how we needed to work together and be interdependent upon one another. And I still believe that to be true. But this week, God reminded me of that picture over again. And uh, when I've been praying about this with regards to Daniel's story, I suddenly realized that, you know, when you teach, you teach and it's much better if you can show it. Yeah? So when... If we look at Daniel's story in chapter 6, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed by the king, it says that he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he'd done previously. Daniel hid nothing. Despite the fact that it was against the new rule. That was his faith, his ritual, and his rhythm. And so he carried on. Not in secret, but for all to see. Now, teachers, you know that your students learn better and understand how something works if you can get an example that's a 3D rather than a 2D. Is that correct? So if you can get a 3D example, it's much easier. So we have models of the heart. I know we have it at a hospital, a model of the heart. You have models of the organs. You have models of lots of different things so that they can tangibly see how it works. And when you look at this clock mechanism, you can kind of see how the hammer at the end tings and knocks on it to make the noise as well as the fact that it going round and it's then connected to the hands that make the hands on the face go round yeah because it's easier if it's a 3d model i know that god wants us to be transparent like the clock mechanism 
so that your friends and family know how the Christian life works. So that it kind of, oh, that's how you do it. We tend to do it all in secret, almost under a covered cloth, a bit like a magician, and then we go, ta-da! And we expect people to go, oh, that's amazing, that's great, I really want to do that. Whereas in actual fact, when we say, I'll pray for you, and then we walk away, don't we? And they think, I wonder what goes on in there. I wonder what they do in secret. I, I was talking to the lady on reception, and she was saying, obviously, because we were meeting here, and she said, oh, she said, can you hold a church? I didn't know you could hold a church in a schoolroom. And uh, she said, I don't want to sound stupid. I said, no, no, you're not going to sound stupid. And uh, she said, doesn't it have to be, like, consecrated or something? Because we hide things away and we don't make it obvious and simple and plain to see as the nose on your face to say, do we? So we go, oh, we'll pray for you or we'll do some spiritual warfare. I wonder what happens. Do they go to the room and they get a sword out? What do they do? What do they do when they do spiritual war? I don't know. So we need to make it plain. Now, we all know about the scripture that it says not to shout and pray like a, like a pontificating person. I can't remember the word from the Bible. That, that's my explanation. A pontificating person that draws attention to themselves. But we do need to make it clear how to live the Christian life. And in order to do that, that means about showing people a behind-the-scenes view. If you're praying with them, pray with them. Don't walk off and do it and then go, ta-da, did God do anything? Do it with them. Pray with them so that they see how to pray. Otherwise, how are they going to know? If you say, I'm going to worship, we're just, I'm just going to worship Jesus first and then we'll pray. Well, how do you do that? I don't know how you do that. Well, you say it. You know, if, how are they meant to know that God works in your life unless you are saying to people, I'm, I've been really praying about such and such and then God told me this and then as a result, this has happened. How else are people going to know how the God life works unless we show it. We need to live it and actually kind of be a little bit more open with it. We need to explain that we've prayed about something. We need to open our window and let people see that we're praying. I know it's risky because Obviously, we're reading from a piece of scripture where Daniel ended up in the lion's den. So I realise that I'm, I'm asking you a really big kind of thing. You know, he got thrown in the lion's den. But God didn't abandon him. He sent an angel and he rescued him. And I know that in the same book, Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego ended up in the fire because they stuck to God's principles. But again, they didn't get burnt because an angel showed up, because God made sure that they were looked after, because they were in right standing with him. Now, the other day, Zach was watching the Lego movie. 
Everything is awesome. Has anyone seen it? The Lego movie. Hands up if you see it. There's no shame in it. It's all right. Okay. Those of you who haven't, you really need to get it. It's a really great movie. And you do need to get it because I've got a fantastic clip. I've done it really well. And I've got it all sorted in the right kind of stuff for here. And uh, we haven't got the right cable, so the sound's not working. So you need to get it because you need to have a look at it on YouTube because the clip's really great. But I was watching it as I'd just been doing some stuff and I walked in, you know, and he's standing there just having a little look and God really spoke to me. Emmett is the main character and is a little, plain, ordinary Lego man. He's from the city range. He's the kind that my Zach would never be interested in prior to the movie. I bet, really, a lot of us fit into that category. You know, that people wouldn't necessarily be interested in you unless you were doing something really amazing, you know, or something really significant. But Because gener generally, we're a bit repetitive, aren't we? We're repetitive. We've got repetitive lives in ordinary situations. And, uh, and well, that's how it is. For the character Emmett... He lives everything really quite superficially and he goes along with all the rules and he abides by all the rules and actually he becomes quite invisible. You could watch this film this afternoon. Go, what was she on about? Um, so, ever felt like that? That you kind of do everything as you should do and you can feel a bit invisible? You know, you're not necessarily a rule breaker but you can kind of think, I don't think anybody actually notices whether I'm here or I'm not here wherever you be. But he's also so careful to be polite to others, and in actual fact, no one takes any notice of him, which is really quite sad. But a prophecy is spoken over him. Honest, this is from the proper film. Those of you that have seen it know, don't you? There's a prophecy spoken over him. And the prophecy states that he is the long-awaited special. Well, he can't believe it. And I have to say, it's very, the, the film is very funny, but if you see it, the folk around him can't believe it. And when it comes to tricky situations, he can't function, whereas others can. And even the audience of the film agree that he really is a dope. And the filmmakers, surely they can't be right that this Emmett is the special. A special is someone in the Lego film who is a master builder, who no longer needs the instructions. Has anyone ever built any Lego? Yeah? Oh, yes. And you have all the little pictures. And if you miss, if you miss something out of the pictures... Then you build it and you go, what's this for? Or you think, oh, that, that won't fit. Well, won't it fit? Because, well, what's this piece? Oh, and you have to undo it and go back to the bit where you'd missed out. So, obviously, you have to, and you have to go through the book. And if you have, the bigger the kits, the bigger the book gets. Oh, the book's in our house. Anyway, we've got Lego everywhere. So, 
it gets to the point where he's a master builder, where you don't actually need the instruction manual with you all the time because if you see it on the film that you're going to watch this afternoon, then you can see all, they see all the numbers and they go, and they can put it all together and they can design something for the situation that they're in. Really clever. Really clever. But he wasn't really able to do that. So not only could he do that for themselves as a master builder, but they'd be able to do that for other people around him. Then he has a defining moment, and he attempts to foil the bad guy. Can we put the clip on? I know there's no sound, but I'm just going to talk you through it. Is that all right? So you'll have to just imagine the music. Everyone is awesome. Everyone is cool in the part of a team. Everyone is awesome. Okay, so here he is. He this is this special. That's the bad guy. There's Emmett, the very normal person down there in the city Lego, and he's got that piece that's the very special piece. So he's having this battle, and obviously he's getting really mad. So it gets him to a point where obviously he's stuck. He can't shift by the craggle. And all of his teammates are sur uh, surrounded as well. And it all looks like it's all going to be over. But we know that the hero always wins. And the guy, this is the bad guy, and he says, he makes something where he says to the bad guy. And you can see he's uh, angry. And the special suddenly offers him that. And he said, oh, I can't see it. What are you showing me? And he actually offers him his hand. Because he says, you are actually incredibly special. And all of these things, although you've created them and he wants to glue them together so that they're never going to be changed, in actual fact, people are creating incredibly wonderful things. And you're just not seeing it. The subplot is about a father and a son, and this is the father who builds Lego in his basement and glues it all together. And the bad guy represents the father, and Emmett represents the son. And he asks his son about this situation, about what Emmett would do. And he finds the baddie, and he su the dad's suddenly realising that in actual fact, he's the baddie in his son's game because he sticks everything together so you can't play with it anymore and makes it so that it's permanent. And he says to his son, what do you think Emmett, the character, would say to me, the baddie? What do you think that he would say? And the son says that in actual fact, he's the special. And that it's about being 
not just not just leaving everything as it is but to create you know God created us to create and he wants you to be a master builder able to not just be held by the instruction manual but able to do immeasurably more and not to glue it all together so that it's stuck and it can never be changed but that we're meant to be teachable and movable and change things around because God moves all the pieces and creates new things all the time. But our fundamentals should always be the same. Our rhythms and our habits should fundamentally all be the same, but sometimes the creation can change. And so therefore... What he does is the thing that the emmet is carrying is actually the lid for the glue. And so therefore he puts the lid on the glue to prevent it all being glued together. And sometimes we can do that out of fear, can't we? We can do it out of fear where we want everything to be exactly the same. But God wants you to be transparent to show how to live the God life. Not do it all under a magician's black cloth and then bring it out and say, ta-da, but to do it and show how life is meant to be lived. He wants us to have good habits and rhythms that don't change, that don't, aren't affected by whether you've moved somewhere new that you think, oh, I can't do it, that you are who you are. I pray, I read my word, I pray about it, and then I tell people about it. And God does stuff in my life, and it just falls out of your mouth, out of habit. That's how it should be. Not, oh, I don't know whether I could actually tell him. It should just fall out. You are a 3D model of Christian living. And you, 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 all of you have a prophecy over your life that you are the special. You are the solution because you can create the thing that's going to need to be created because you are a master builder because that's what God's put inside you and that's what he wants to do within you that you are a master builder I encourage you especially in light of the fact of what we've talked about to go home and watch the movie and ask God to speak to you because he can use all things, and plus the kids are entertained. And if you haven't got any kids, you can hire them. Um, <laughs> but watch it, because God has got a special plan for you. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for these folk here. I pray that you'd help each one of us, very ordinary people, to be extraordinary, to be the special I pray that you would help us to have the right rhythms and to not be put off, to keep the right rhythms and habits with you, to 
be transparent and be a 3D example for you. And Lord, I pray that you would take the scales off our eyes to realize that you speak a prophetic word over our lives and that we are your gift to those around us. Lord, we give you thanks. I pray for each one in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to sing a closing song. We're going to take up the tithes and offerings.